really good to see everybody. Uh, there's pluses and minuses to everything, isn't there? But uh, I'll tell you, one of the pluses is just seeing everybody last night and today um, on Zoom. Praise the Lord. Um, so there's anybody new watching, we had a revival fellowship and we, we believe that the promises in the Bible haven't changed. They're still the same for us today. And what makes us even bolder to believe that is that the, the testimony follows, as we heard from our sister Carol there, and uh, Helene's testimony earlier on. Um, I suppose that's what makes us so bold about it, is we have received the Holy Spirit. We do speak in tongues. And our signs, wonders, and miracles. Uh, we heard many last night healings. And that's what really makes us even, I suppose, more bold about that fact that uh, the Word of God is true. So in Mark 16... And verse 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth uh, and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And that word believeth is uh, to obey, to adhere, to, to trust and to rely on. It's not just uh, uh, I believe it. It's uh, if you believe it, you'll, yeah, you'll obey it, you'll rely on it, you'll trust in it, uh, you'll act on it. Um, and these, verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name, they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And that's what we've really been hearing about the last two days, the signs following believers, real signs, real miracles, real healings. And, uh, and so then in verse 19, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. And that really is the gospel for us, isn't it? Um, that is, you know, we go forward, we preach, and the Lord confirms the word with signs following. He, he works with us. He's working with us. Uh, he's in our lives. He's in the church, and we see it. And, um, you know, many of us might have been asked at the start, you know, we might have made effort to travel to a, the Revival Fellowship and people say, well, why don't you just go to the local church down the road? You know, we've got a big church here, but it's just around the corner. What's wrong with that? And I suppose the reason is because we want to be part of a church that uh, is what we read about here in Mark 16. Um, from the day we got baptized and spirit filled, we realized, well, the word of God is important and what's in it is important and the doing of it is important. And many of us were willing to make long journeys just to be part of a church and even people moved. We heard that in the testimony as well. Uh, people were willing to move or, uh, or I know when I came back to Ireland after being in Australia for three years, I moved to Belfast just to be part of this church. And, and people said, well, there's lots of churches down where you are. But um, all of a sudden it's important and we can see uh, in the Bible, there's a, a clear message and a clear pattern that the Lord, in many ways for people, has a beginning, there's a middle part, and there's an end for us all. And uh, the beginning is when you're born again, uh, baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. And then the middle part, as we heard in the first talk today, is the work, serving him, being a shining light in a dark world, the demonstration of the power of God, and uh, preaching the full message to others. And the end is remaining faithful right until the day you die or the Lord comes back, whichever comes first. And there's a clear kind of structure, isn't there, to a walk in the Lord, you know, um, comparing to 
I was brought up Catholic as well. And, uh, you know, there was no direction. It was all random. Whether you kept it up or didn't keep it up, uh, you weren't really sure what you were doing there and what you were meant to be doing there and how it was all going to end up. But we've come into something where there's a very, very clear passion for us and a very clear goal. And uh, we're going to look at a few stories and judges today about two guys. And uh, maybe I'm just going to make, I'm going to compare both of them and maybe even compare them to the flesh and the spirit. Um, so we're going to go back to Judges uh, chapter 13. So for about, I think, three or 400 years um, between Joshua and Samuel, um, you know, there's people noted in the Bible for kind of arriving on the scene and being judges or leaders. Uh, some delivered Israel from oppression or they provided some sort of leadership or guidance. And um, yeah, it, it says in Judges 21, verse 25, I'll just quote it. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And that was the situation. Some of those people who came on the scene, they did some really notable things, notable victories. And then others didn't seem to do too much at all. In Judges 12 and verse 11, it talks about a guy called Elon a Zebulonite judged Israel, and he judged Israel 10 years. And Elon the Zebulonite died and was buried in Ajalon in the country of Zebulon. And that was like one of those CVs, isn't it? Uh, uh, Jamie Byrne worked here from 1988 to 1992 in the story. You know, you're always a bit worried when you get a CV like that. Well, yeah, Elon's CV was a little bit like that. Um, and there was a few people like that as well. But we're going to look at a few uh, two in particular, first one, Judges 13, and uh, Samson, a very unique character. We're not going to read heaps and heaps and heaps. You can do that yourself. There's uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, read the chapters and read about uh, Samson's very, very, very interesting life. Um, chapter 13, verse 1, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord de delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. Uh, and there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, a strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. Uh, for lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. Uh, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And um, like I said, if you want to read about uh, Samson in the next few chapters, um, it says here that he began to deliver uh, Israel out of the hand of the Philistines, and he certainly upset them and his own people, he certainly caused them a little bit of pain and he kind of got stuck into them. But if you read through his whole life, um, it kind of goes from one event to the next event where one seems like he's, he does something really good and amazing. And the next thing, he, it's almost like he's a complete letdown. He does something very strange. Um, he lost a bet. He killed 30 guys for their clothes. Um, he got a wife, then she got given to his companion, then he wanted her back, he got very angry about that, set all the court of the Philistines on fire. Um, his people, his own people delivered him to the Philistines, then he married Delilah, she wore him down, 
gave away his secret and ended up getting his two eyes plucked out. And he really had uh, an up and down life. Uh, he certainly did begin to deliver Israel and uh, he was sent for a purpose. And we can't deny that the Lord was definitely in this. But um, his life was very, very erratic, um, almost crazy. And um, a little bit of a mystery. There's times where we read it and we just think, what, what is the guy doing now? And a little bit of a mystery to us, I suppose. And one thing for sure is he, he's not steady in any way. And from a New Testament point of view, for, for us now, and to look at his example, um, there's things that he did where you definitely want to f- have those things in your life or follow that example. There's a lot of things where you just think you, you couldn't. You couldn't follow his example. Um, just look in chapter 16, the end of it all. He was a man of incredible strength, but his strength was in his testimony, which, of course, when he gave away his secret and his hair was shaved off, uh, he lost his strength. Down there in verse 21, but the Philistines, so they got him. Uh, he lost his strength, so they were able to take him eventually. Uh, they got him, they put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. Albeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. So little did they realize that his strength was slowly returning to him. Uh, so we might not read it all for uh, time's sake, but uh, they had a massive party and they decided let's bring him down and make fun of him and we'll all have a great laugh. Uh, they said let him, let, let's make sport of him. Down there in verse 27. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, and they were about they were upon the roof, about three thousand men and women, and beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, uh, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Uh, he wanted to get them back. And he wanted to sort them out. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon the house where the house stood and on which he was borne up uh, of the one with his right hand, the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might and the house fell upon the lords and upon, and upon all the people that were uh, therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. And then it goes on and talks about his brethren coming down to get him. But um, he certainly um, began to deliver and cause the Philistines all sorts of trouble. And uh, you kind of can't help thinking where the Lord says, go down there and cause murder with them Philistines. But to look at him as an example, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just uh, maybe compare him today a little bit to the flesh. We're going to look later at Peter, how Peter was before he received the Holy Spirit and how he was after. And maybe we look at Samson and compare him to how Peter was before he received the Holy Spirit. But this other guy here on Judges 6, Gideon, let's go back to Judges 6, just what seemed to be different. And look, the Lord did. The Lord is in all this. But for us to look for an example and maybe to try and bring something into the New Testament for our well-being, just go 6 verse 11. We won't read it all again for time's sake. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash, the Abizite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then 
have all these befallen us, and where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? So he'd heard lots of stories in the past of how God used to do great things and look after his people and do miracles. But um, now they're under severe trouble or in a very severe situation because the Midianites keep coming and taking all their crops. And uh, yeah, they're basically controlling them. And uh, so he can't really see, yeah, where's God? We haven't uh, we hear about you, but we haven't seen you. Um, but now the Lord had forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And well, that was for a reason as well. If you want to start at the start and read it through. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherein shall I have saved Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. And, um, you know, he did see a few things and he did put out the fleece and he needed the Lord to confirm and maybe just affirm to him that, yeah, I'm with you. What I told you I'm going to do, I'm going to do. Um, he was able to keep the Lord's instruction, no matter how hard it might have been to believe or no matter how he thought about himself. He didn't see himself as a, a great guy or from a great family that he was going to be able to do this, but he was able to follow the Lord's instruction. Um, we know as well, just before uh, the battle, we won't read it all for time's sake, but uh, he met a guy who had a dream, which again confirmed uh, what the Lord was doing and it, it strengthened him. And he did need a little bit of strengthening along the way. And at the end of it all, uh, exactly what the Lord said, the Lord called him very clear instruction and he told him what he wanted him to achieve. And that's what he did. He had an end result to all this in chapter 7 and verse 19. So Gideon and, and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled, and the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host, and the host fled to that place in Zarareth, and to the border of that place unto Tibet. Um, and the men of Israel gathered themselves together, and, and basically they won the victory. And uh, Gideon was asked to do this very strange thing, and he did it. He followed the Lord's instruction, bang on, and he trusted the Lord. He put all his trust in the Lord, and he did. The, the first thing the Lord said to him is, the mighty man of valor, before he'd even done a single thing, because the Lord knew his character, and he knew that he could do it if he was willing to trust him. And um, this story is very different uh, to the story of Samson, you know, where Samson might have avenged for himself and whatever. But uh, Gideon... Um, he won this battle and he won 40 years of quietness for Israel from the Midianites. He delivered them from the hand of the Midianites. Um, and he did some really, we just look at something really good there in chapter 8, verse 22. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, be thou and thy son and thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us 
from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. And uh, he was just a really good guy. He did make a bit of a mistake there, if you read on in the next few verses. And it became a snare to him when he, when he took all their earrings and he met an ephod. But generally, his life and his story and what he was called to do, he followed it through. And there was a fair bit of structure to it, but he really did achieve his goal and what he set out to do and what the Lord asked him to do. Uh, so much more balance and structure, and he just followed it through. He needed a little bit of encouraging along the way. He needed a bit of confirmation and affirmation from the Lord, and he got it. But it really had a story where there was a beginning, a middle part, and an end result. And the incredible thing was he really was able to follow the Lord's instruction right through. And um, we're just going to go to the New Testament now, and we're going to go to Luke 22, and we're going to look at Peter before he received the Holy Spirit and after. And maybe compare, compare him to these two guys. And yeah, and I think we can clearly see which way we need to follow. So Luke 22. And I imagine if you were one of these guys' apprentices and you kind of wake up in the morning and you say to Samson, so what are we doing today? You wouldn't, you could just get, a, just about anything could happen with him, couldn't it? You wouldn't have a clue, whereas maybe Gideon would say, look, we've been called to deliver the people from the hand of the Midianites, and this is what we're doing. He probably would have had a very clear vision of what he was called to do. Um, goodness, depending on the day you'd have asked Samson, you could have got anything. Um, Luke 22, verse 31, almost there. And the Lord said unto, the, unto, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, and he's talking about Peter here, behold, Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Um, give him a, he, you know, he's saying the devil really wants to give you the run around, Peter. He wants you shake, just to really shake you. Um, in verse 32, but I have prayed for thee that thou faith fail not and that when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And this is, I suppose, a great error in the Christian world is when they read about, read about Peter before he received the Holy Spirit. They don't always recognize uh, he's a man, despite being with Jesus and doing and seeing great things, he needed to be converted. He needed uh, uh, baptism and he needed to receive the Holy Spirit, the power from on high. And Jesus said, look, I, I've prayed for you, but when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. And he said unto him in verse 33, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And Jesus said unto him, and he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day um, before that thou shalt uh, thrice deny that thou knowest me. And Jesus knew what he was like. He was a natural man. He had all the best intentions in the world, did Peter. Uh, but he just couldn't follow them through with his own nature. And he was up and down. If you read through his life, you'll read sometimes he said the most amazing things. He gave some of the most amazing answers. And other times the Lord said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, while Jesus was there, Jesus was his strength. Uh, Jesus was his rock. And uh, the Lord was always solid. But Peter uh, had great intentions. He said in, in, in Matthew 26, 33, Peter answered, he said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And he wasn't able to follow that through. And, and very much, it's like natural man, up and down like a yo-yo, inconsistent, um, you know, not knowing what's going to happen from one day to the next, one day on fire, the next day out of the game, not really doing that well. 
And we're going to see that once he received the Holy Spirit, that kind of nature was put to bed. That kind of Samson-like nature, doing something absolutely amazing and incredible one moment, and the next minute doing something crazy was gone. You know, the Holy Spirit kind of got rid of that for Peter. Not completely. We know he still wasn't perfect. And there was times where he, he was even picked up and corrected. And and uh, that's just standard in the Lord. But generally, he knew who he was and he knew where he was going and he knew what he needed to be doing. Um, so we go to Acts chapter 2. One thing I will say about him is he stuck with it even when he didn't know what to do. And he wasn't sure. He was, a, he was a good guy just sticking with the Lord. I'm just going to hang, I'm going to stick in there. Where should we go, Lord? Uh, you've got the words of eternal life. He just stuck with it. Um, and here we're going to read about him receiving the promise, the Holy Spirit. And chapter 2, verse 1, the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And uh, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And uh, wow, he, he was right there where he needed to be on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. You know, he followed the instruction and he was there and he received the Spirit, the power of God, as we read over there in verse 8 of chapter 1. Uh, power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And uh, here he is, he's received it. And in verse 5, and there was dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, uh, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And what they couldn't understand is, all these different languages from people who, well, how on earth would they have been able to speak all these different languages? And they list them all down there. Let's get down to verse 11. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? And they really didn't know what was happening. Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be known unto you, and hearken to my words, that these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, uh, that in the last days it shall come to pass, and uh, in the last days say, God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And he clearly knew what was happening. And he wasn't afraid to speak up. He denied the Lord uh, three times and he saw his Lord get crucified. I go a fishing, off he went. He probably didn't know where he was coming or going. And and you wouldn't blame him. Um, what he would have seen was horrific. Uh, but now he's filled with the Holy Ghost and the fear, that fear is taken away. And he's able to stand up in front of these people who don't know what's happening and able to clearly tell them this is that. This is what they prophesied about, that in the last days, that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. That's what it is, all these languages. He's not afraid anymore. Um, and on it goes from there. And we can read through Acts. We might read one or two more verses. Uh, he keeps preaching. And when they were pricked in the heart, he told them clearly what they needed to do down there in verse 37, uh, 38, chapter 2, 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. 
be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Clear instruction. He had a clear vision. Now he had a clear purpose. He knew what he needed to do, and he was able to pass that on to other people. And um, I suppose that's that's it's a simple message today, folks, that, you know, who who do we want to be like? You know, is it Samson or Gideon? Is it the old Peter or the new Peter? And we very much can see that uh, from the time we received the Holy Spirit, that um, the Lord's brought us a really clear structure into our life. Of we, we know where we came from. We know what it was like. And we've heard that today in the testimony. And everything's changed now. And um, maybe being like that, being like Samson now that we're spirit-filled, isn't a great thing anymore. And sometimes you, you hear that out in Pentecost. Oh, this great thing happened and that great thing happened. And then you look on the other side and there's some crazy things happening as well. And, you know, in many ways, it's like Samson up and down. And we're, we don't want to be like that now. We want to be like Peter. Uh, very, very clear on where we're going. Uh, we look at him again, Acts 5, verse 29. So they've been warned, do not speak. And the crucifixion was very real around this time. They saw what happened to Jesus. They've been warned. So they knew they could quite easily end up in trouble if they didn't stop speaking. But we'd... Just see down there in verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said unto him, We ought to obey God rather than men. And they had the strength to be able to obey God more than men. Um, and that's that's the new Peter. That's the new man. And and that's what we are, the new creatures. Let's finish in Second Peter in just two little verses, two little things he said. And you know, maybe there is times in our walk where we are like Samson. Great day, crazy day. Um... But the Lord definitely wants to bring stability into our lives. And I'm just going to, before I quote one of the Proverbs there, we'll read Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, whereby, our, and this is something that he said, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And that's what happened to him when he received the Holy Spirit. He escaped the corruption that's in the world and he was a partaker of the divine nature, the nature of God in him, in him, working through him. Uh, the stability, uh, the strength, the uh, direction. Uh, he knew where he was going. He knew where it was all going to end. And to the best of our understanding, he did stick with the Lord right the way. Uh, he experienced all sorts of things. In, in verse 10, and he tells us here, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fail. And we can read the previous verses. But he knew right well where it was all heading. And, he, and his call here is to, that we would do the same and, and who the letter was written to, that we would make our calling and election sure that we have a clear vision where we're going. And I'm um, just going to quote Proverbs 28, verse 20. I'm going to quote, it says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. And that word faithful means steady, firm, stability. Uh, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. And I think that's one of the characteristics of the spiritual Christian walking in the spirit. Uh, steady, firm, stability. We know what the gospel is, and we can tell it to others. You must be born again. We know what we need to be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. 
and we know very clearly where we're going and we know that Jesus Christ is coming back. Uh, unlike Samson, you kind of didn't know what was going to happen from one day to the next. But Gideon, right from the start, he was told, this is the plan, and he saw it right through. Samson, sometimes it, some of the things he did had the wow factor, but in the New Testament, um, we really need what the Holy Ghost gives us, and that's that stability, uh, being steady, being firm, and having a clear vision, and all the people say... 